Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Welcome into episode 49 of Blue Jays Nation Radio as we make our way down the stretch towards the end of the season. Not too many more of these podcasts left to do, Coombsy, and uh, things are getting tight. That uh, that four-day stretch there, it didn't go terribly that wasn't best case scenario or even close to it. No, that was far from the best case scenario, but I guess there's a bit of a recency bias here because it was complete doom and gloom after Friday. Yeah. And ultimately we did get the best case scenario after Friday, which was wins on Saturday and Sunday, but still in the big picture going two and two against the Minnesota twins is not what you want to see. And we are now not in the playoff spot. And, and the Red Sox, being swept by the Yankees while the Jays go two and two. That's also not exactly what we wanted to see because now it puts them in an awkward spot where they're a full two games back of the Yankees and one game back of the Red Sox and the Red Sox have an easy schedule. And I get that the Yankees have a tough schedule, but there's now some sort of nuances to the Yankees schedule that are also a little bit complicated based on the results of this last weekend. Um, Listen, if you would have told me a month ago that heading into this Yankees series, the Jays would be two back of them and one back of a wildcard spot. We would have taken it, but the bottom mm-hmm. line is this team's inability to kind of consistently beat up on bad teams has really kind of cost them. You can go back through this last six-week stretch here and very easily pick out very winnable ball games that they found ways to blow. Yeah, you. If they do end up, and I mean, it's it's still a nip. Like it, it's, they're not out. There's no. still six games left. They can control some of their own destiny, facing the Yankees. Blah blah blah. But if they do end up missing out, especially if it's by one game. Mm-hmm. then we're going to go back and we're going to think of games like, remember that one against Detroit where Marcus Simeon threw the ball and Vladdy didn't catch it and they yeah. lost games like that. Like yeah. we're going to think about, and, and then you can even go all the way back into April and May. And I mean, I feel like I'm doing a fucking uh, eulogy on the team already. And there's still a you week left, be. which is, which is lame. Like I don't want to be in this headspace, but yeah. that's kind of where I am right now. It was a bit of a, it was a bit of a downer of a series, especially largely because of what happened in New York. It's it's frustrating seeing the Yankees really pull their shit together. They took care of business against Texas, who sucks, swept them, and now they've gone ahead and beat the Red Sox, who, I mean, they're not great, but they're they're still pretty good. They they yeah. won that series in Fenway. It's frustrating. Like, this is what we wanted to see the Jays doing this weekend. Yeah. We wanted to see that four-game sweep, right? But we didn't, but such is life. 
Let's get into three up, three down here and really recap this series against the Twins. It's brought to you by twigberries.ca, where you can use the promo code NATION15 and get 15% off. Uh, we're basically just going to roll through this series and do the ups and downs in a sort of chronological order, which really is just getting the downs out of the way early because this series did not <laughs> get off to a good start. Um, the Jays scored the first run of the series on that opener on Thursday and yep. didn't do a lot else after that. Um, I, I think back to George Springer not being able to come through in the clutch when the bases were loaded. And I get they were down 7-2 at that point, but you were thinking maybe they can turn it around. Dickerson got thrown out at the plate. It was just really sloppy baseball from the Toronto Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. Merriweather gave up a three-run bomb that, I mean, fuck, you, you would like a high leverage reliever to, to, and I get that he's been hurt and he's not really in that high leverage category anymore, but you would, would have liked him to not give up a home run to a guy in Nick Gordon who literally never hits home runs. It was just bad timing, sloppy baseball, and the bad omen that came mm-hmm. was the Gurriel injury. Like that was just yeah. a freak injury that sucks. And it left you with a feeling that like, man, things aren't going to go their way, are they? Yeah, it was especially frustrating because Guriel drove in the first run of that game. So it was in the second inning to Oscar double, leadoff double in the second inning, and Guriel hit a double, and it was like, oh, like, you know, we've really got we've got something good going on here. Like they this is the twins. The twins suck. They can't pitch. We just saw this like two weeks ago. Like this team can't pitch worth a lick. The Jays are gonna pop off. I remember before the game I was doing on the Twitter account, BJ on Twitter kind of t-shirt giveaway, and it was let's guess how many runs they're gonna score in four games. And everyone's like 32 runs. 20 yeah. runs, 40 runs, 700 runs, and they wound up scoring like 14 runs. But yeah, it was the, it was the Guriel injury that was the real kind of bad omen. It was like, this is a weird injury to a guy who's been such a catalyst in their hot streak. He's like, we talked about this multiple times. When yeah. Guriel's hot, he makes the lineup insane. It takes him from very good to amazing. And then he goes and gets hurt in just one of the most bizarre things you'll ever see. And now we don't know if, when we're going to see him again this season. Yeah, it's, they've been quiet on it. Like, I mean, it's a cut on his hand that he, right where he kind of grips his bat, I think is the way Montoyo's kind of yeah. described it. You would like to think, because it was his right hand, right? And he throws with his right hand. So he probably won't be in the field again this season. But with George Springer being back in the lineup, that's not really a huge issue because Gurriel can at least DH. I'm hoping we get to see him DH against the Yankees and hopefully they can just keep working on that finger here. There's an off day involved as well. He hasn't played now in a few. Hopefully they can get him back to the point where he can at least DH against the Yankees, right? Yeah, that's the hope. I mean, uh, so the quote from Charlie Montoya was uh, basically like it it was, it was a nothing quote from yesterday. It was kind of like, we'll see where he's at on Tuesday. He's got this huge fucking gash and it got stitched up. And he can't grip the bat properly right now because of where the stitching is. And they just don't know. But I mean, like you said, if there was a, an injury to navigate based on the position, it's this one because now Springer's back in center field, which is something we'll touch on when we get to more positive stuff later in the series. Springer's back. And then you still have Teoscar, Gritchuk, and Corey Dickerson. Like there are options. I mean, it's yeah. not like you're losing Marcus Semien and you have to play Bravik Valera every day or something like that. Right. Yeah. So it's somewhat not, it's it's doable to navigate, but it's unfortunate because Guriel had been just going fucking nuclear for like a month, month, two months. We'll get to the bats in a second, but the disappointing pitching kind of started with the Steven Matt start. Like I touched on Merriweather giving up the bomb, but Matt's only pitching three innings and giving up seven hits. I get only two of the runs were earned and Thomas Hatch eventually got tagged for three earned as well. But you would have liked to see Steven Matt's go a little bit deeper into that ball game and not get hit the way he did because 
I'll, I'll go as far as to say he's almost a little bit lucky that he didn't have more than two oh, yeah. in that start because they yeah. every inning they were getting to him. This is one of the weirdest lines you'll ever see. He wound up going, he, he threw 80 pitches over three innings. He three innings, seven hits, two walks, two earned runs, and two uh, six strikeouts. Like that is a bizarre, bizarre, bizarre line. Like seven hits over three innings. And Matt's had been, you know, Matt's had been fantastic leading up to this. He had had multiple good starts in a row. I remember there was quite a bit of talk that, oh, do we even want to, uh, do we want to skip him in the rotation and bring Hyunjin Ryu back? Is that mm-hmm. actually something we want to do? Is, you know, is Matt's one of the more reliable starters now? And then in a game where, I mean, all four of these games, they needed to win pretty much in a game that they really wanted Matt's to come out and kind of set the tempo for the series, have a big start. He didn't do that at all. And <laughs> had one of his worst starts since probably before he went on the COVID injured list. And it was really unfortunate timing. And it's the same thing right after that. Thomas Hatch came in. He was, you know, so reliable last year coming in as like the the bolt guy after an opener pitching two three innings whatever and he got tagged and then Merriweather like you mentioned allows the bomb it was just ugh, it was just an ugly ugly pitching okay. game and I mean to be fair the, the the twins are a pretty decent hitting team like what makes them bad is their pitching but ugh, it was just it was just a, a really ugly way to kick things off mm-hmm. um let's get to our third down here then and, and just wrap up the shittiness from this series and it was really their bats like in game one they gave up seven runs but they had 11 hits like they had a chance to score eight runs in that game if they would have had a little bit of clutch hitting i brought up the springer thing i brought up dickerson being waved around third when he probably i mean i get the stop sign went up and he ran through it but the stop sign went up pretty late so that whole thing was was just shitty as well the jays in total in this series in game one they went two for eight with runners in scoring position and in game two they went oh for six they had chances to score runs and they didn't come through and that cost them because they really should have found a way to, to, to hit their way into a win in one of those two games. Yeah. As bad as the pitching was in the first game. And I mean, the combination of Matt's Hatch and Merriweather didn't give them a great chance to win the game, but still like the way the Jays have been going and how bad Minnesota's pitching is, even if you allow seven runs, you're still in the game. And I mean, like you said, there was 11 hits. There was tons of chances to just chip away and they didn't. And then the second game was obviously the worst one because this this guy pitching over is just throwing junk and <laughs> hit anything. I mean, the whole game, Semyon goes two for four, Dickerson and Espinal each have a hit, and that's it. And it didn't feel like they were really threatening at all, save for those. It was a double from Semyon and a homer from Semyon. <laughs> it was nothing, and it was shocking because you're looking at these guys pitching for the Twins, and it's like, man, like, how are you not hitting these? This is shocking. Bichette went 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. And it's just like, yeah. I, it's frustrating. And I get that he's been, I mean, he's been good all year. He's been great all year. He's one of the best shortstop in the league. We talked about this, but our best hitting shortstops in the league. But like, man, it is September baseball and you're facing a bad team like the Minnesota Twins with bad pitchers and you're going 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. And even Vladdy went 0 for 4. It was just, it was super, super frustrating. Um, the bats should have, that second game's inexcusable at this point. The fact that you couldn't score four runs on the Minnesota Twins in game mm-hmm. two of that series, it's just, it's brutal, man. Yeah, know. it was it was unfortunate because also Jose Barrios put up what I thought yeah. was a pretty good start. I mean, three earned runs over six innings, it's not great, but it was pretty good. Like, 10 Should have been enough for the win. Well, yeah, you, if, if at the beginning of the game, you see Jose, you, you're told Jose Barrios is going to do six innings and three earned runs, and then, I mean, you, you think you're going to win the game, and then, And I think the depressing part about this game for me watching it is really at very few points that I actually feel like they were going to win. Like they went down early, the the, all three runs came in Minnesota's third inning. And after that, it was like, geez, like 
are they going to score any runs? Or are they just going to lose this thing like three nothing? And that's kind of like that's a that's a that's a downer thing to feel. But I think we should probably move into some positives because this is feeling this is feeling pretty bleak. And the series wasn't completely bleak. It did get better after this. No, it wasn't. Yeah, on, like after the Friday game, we were all feeling pretty. Uh, we were all feeling pretty upset about or pretty down oh, with yeah. the way things were going. And then they they did turn it around. And it started in Game Three with a start from their ace Robbie Ray. He goes six inning. He only six innings. He only allows. The one earned in there as well. Their bats woke up on top of that. Like, I'm just kind of looking. Everyone who started that game, if you take the pinch hitters kind of out of it, everyone who started that game except Vladdy got a hit. And everyone that started that game got on base. Like, they did a good job of waking their bats up. Um, and they just simply came through. And a big part of that as well, this is probably our first up. George Springer finally got a hit. And he drove in a couple of RBIs. Uh, he hit that. Um, he hit that big home run, and you could tell he was fired up. Like it looked like the dude was carrying around a piano for a while. I remember that bat, at bat before the home run when he struck out, like he spiked his helmet, yeah. threw his bat down. He was pissed, and it was just you could tell him rounding those bases. He was light as a feather. Like it was just the weight was off, and he did snap out of his slump because in Game Four of the series he was great as well, going three for four. Yeah, it was a actually the thing with Springer is this this is where I feel like Toronto's momentum actually really changed. Yep. Is in the first inning, like Ray did not have his best stuff in this sort at all. Like he he did only allow one run in six mm-hmm. innings, but he walked four guys. And it it was kind of like a more of an old school last year Robbie Ray out, yeah. right? Like he was going full counts with guys, three balls here walking guys putting guys on base kind of walking the tightrope it was far from you know the ace stuff that we've seen from most this season but early on in the game like in the first inning he was kind of on the ropes a bit he had first and third with one out and then it was uh, Mitch Garver I think it was that drilled the ball into the outfield and Springer's just back in center field for that would have been what the second or third time mm-hmm. and uh, it was his first since he got injured in Seattle jumping into the wall and he made an amazing diving catch and you know one run comes in on the uh, sacrifice but that stop minnesota i think from putting up what could have been just a huge inning in the first and that would have been totally deflating like that could have been you know robbie raising the mound allows two three four runs whatever that could have been like a like a season ending situation for the jays like they mm-hmm. get lit up in the first deflate loses the game drop three or four potentially get swept against minnesota but that springer catch like I'm, maybe i'm exaggerating a bit but it did feel like it felt like a damn near season-saving catch. And then later in the game, he hits his fucking dinger, and he looks – and I, th- I think it was Charlie Montoya after the game said, I've never seen somebody look as happy in the dugout after hitting a dinger as Springer did because he hadn't hit a dinger since his go-ahead one in Baltimore on that uh, 9-11 or September 11th doubleheader. So it had, been, it had been like over two weeks since he had hit a home run. Yeah, like, and him snapping out of it, especially with Gurriel being out of the lineup now. We talked about how there hasn't really been, like, that ebb and flow from the team this year where, like, three guys get hot while three other important guys are cold. They've really felt, at least to me, like a real boomer bust team. Either everyone's going and they're just mashing the ball or, like, everyone's cold at the same time. So when you lose Gurriel... But at the same time, you're getting a Springer who's now stepping in and maybe finding his groove a little bit. It's just absolutely massive for this lineup. And hopefully it's a sign of good things to come. They scored 11 runs in the last two games, and Springer was a massive part of it. Um, Another guy that we got to give some love to is out of the bullpen. And Adam Simber came in and pitched in three out of these four games against the Minnesota Twins. And he allowed two hits in his final outing in the series finale. But he was great in game three 
came in, didn't allow a hit, didn't allow a walk. And in game one, he even came in and gave him a, a solid inning as well when they really needed someone out of the bullpen to, to just eat up an inning. Uh, he's been nothing but great since coming over from the Marlins. And I shouldn't say, you know, he hasn't been getting his due because a lot of people are talking about it. But again, like, He's just been massive for them. Remember early in the year when we talked about like, man, they got to find like their Jason Grilly, right? A guy who's not necessarily your closer, but like that type of acquisition of a guy who can just come in and give you tough innings and get huge outs for you. Simber's been that guy time and time again. Yeah, 2016, they kind of patchwork put their bullpen together. Remember, it was a pretty big mess early on. Like you had Roberto Osuna as your closer, and that was pretty much it. They were going through a whole bunch of random guys, and then it was... Uh, Joe Biagini, they, they figured out could be a good late inning guy, very random rule five pickup. And then it was the additions of Grilly, who just came out of nowhere, lightning in a bottle and was unreal. And then it was Joaquin Benoit as well, who they got before the deadline. And then all of a sudden the bullpen was pretty good. And I mean, the Jays kind of have done that a little bit this year too. Like, I mean, Tim Mesa suddenly become like a, a like a pretty, like a good reliever. And that mm-hmm. probably wasn't something anybody expected back in spring training. Remember he was competing with Francisco Liriano for a lost a roster spot. And then they go and make this Marlins trade and they trade fucking Joe panic Insane. to get Joe panic. I, I don't even know who their prospect was like some 24 year old in single a or something like that. Random, random player. And they go and get Corey Dickerson is pretty decent lefty bat. Mm-hmm. And then they also get Simber who has a 1.32 ERA over 34 innings. The guy's allowed five earned runs as a J. It's insane. Like I, I would venture that he's probably been the team's best reliever this season, which is nuts because Jordan Romano's actually also like been fantastic as well. But I mean, I don't know where the team would be if they hadn't pulled the trigger and figured out this trade. This is yeah, it's unreal. He's been their most consistent reliever. Like Romano's been great. And he's been their closer. He's pitched the high leverage points, all that. But like Simber hasn't really had bad outings, which is crazy. Like it's crazy. Romano's had a few where he got hit around. Like I think back to that Oakland series where the Jays still swept them, mm-hmm. but like Romano got lit up in two of those games. The bats just totally had him bailed out. We haven't really seen a point where Simber has like cost them a ball game at all. He just comes in every time, does his job, goes back to the dugout and he's done. It's been fantastic. And he was huge for them against Minnesota. And so was Alec Manoa who goes five and two thirds in the series finale. He gave up six hits, but he only allowed two runs. He struck out eight. Um, just again, another gritty start from the guy. I, I forget who, who gave him this, sort of title but he's the rookie veteran right he's this guy who's he's been in the league now for what six months feels like he's been in the league for six years it does it's crazy it's 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 shocking to think back like we we mentioned this almost every time we talk about Manoa and it comes back to our bold take at the beginning of the season was like Alec Manoa could come up in like July August and potentially be a very good reliever who can maybe catch like multiple innings for the team and instead he comes up after like two fucking starts in Buffalo (laughs) <laughs> proceeds to become like their number two, three starter. It's insane. I mean, five and two thirds innings, six hits, two walks, eight strikeouts, two earned runs. Like he also walked the tightrope a bit early on. Like he was navigating some challenges, but it, it, he's the one I find he's the, the one pitcher who, even when he gets into a jam, you feel like he's going to get out of it. It almost seems like he gets better when the other team as a runner in scoring position or the base is loaded or something. He's inducing double plays, striking guys out. Like he always does it. It's insane. It's nuts. It, like it feels like he's been around for a fucking decade. It uh yeah, like 
it's weird. It's almost like when he gets into that or when he needs to get into that mode where it's like, oh, shit, like there's someone in the scoring position. He almost like focuses up again and his pitches just get better and more sharp. Um, It, it, it is pretty wild. Uh, he did get two double plays in that game, and I believe they were both inning ending double plays as well. So some clutch pitching from Manoa was huge. And uh, that is three up, three down presented by Twig and Berries as the Jays managed to get the split against Minnesota. And now they move into a massive series against the New York. York Yankees and it's a Yankees team that's just red hot right now and it seems like everything's clicking at the right time for New York I would like to sit here and say they peak too early yeah ideally they have hit their best already and their last six games are against the Jays in Toronto a place they haven't played in two years and then they host the Tampa Bay Rays. so I mean that's not an easy schedule to finish off with so ideally they've hit their peak and then they go like one in five the rest of the way Oh, and six. That's the hope because they're right now. The Yankees have an 89 and 67 record after sweeping the Red Sox. So they've leapfrogged Boston in the standings. So they're the number one wildcard team right now. Boston's 88 and 68. And they're in the second wildcard spot. And one game behind Boston is Toronto, who's 87 and 69. Seattle's two games back. Oakland's three games back, which is it's fucking nuts that we have like this line of teams in the wildcard mix. I'd say that Oakland and Seattle are pretty much out of it. I don't really see them jumping over not only the Blue Jays, but another team, given who everyone's playing. Like, I mean, the Red Sox get to face Baltimore right away here, and then they face Washington. So they have the easiest schedule the rest of the way. And then, you know, New York and Toronto are facing each other. So it's it's pretty unlikely to see one of those teams in the mix. I mean, they're still there, but eh. so I'm, I'm still yeah. basically just focusing on the AL East teams at this point. Yeah, so am I. I and so let's go through this here, like, Going up against the Yankees, asking for a sweep is lofty, obviously. Yeah. But if the Jays take two out of three here, like if they don't take two out of three, it's over, right? Like yeah. you're not at that unless, point. Unless the Orioles do them a the solid. Thinkable. Yeah. And win two of three against Boston. And we're not relying on that. Like honestly, at this point, I'm just expecting the Red Sox to go six and over five and one. So yeah. I'm I'm really just focusing on the Yankees. So for the Jays, you absolutely bare minimum need to take two or three from the Yankees here. And then you need to sweep the Orioles, right? Like five and one is what you need to do to get into the postseason here. Yeah, there's there's there's, there's virtually zero room for error. And I mean, the most important thing right now, obviously, is the head to head against New York in which you absolutely have to go two or three because you do that. Then you're one game back of New York mm-hmm. heading into the final three. And as we've said, the Jays get o- Oakland or sorry, not Oakland. They, the Jays get Baltimore at home. Mm-hmm. In Toronto. So there, there's, there's no excuse to lose any of these fucking games. The Orioles suck. And then on the other side of that, New York's playing Tampa. Tampa's good. Like, but the unfortunate thing here is that the Houston Astros went ahead and got swept yes. by Oakland. That's why I was thinking Oakland. Houston got swept by Oakland. And now there's no way for Houston to catch Tampa in the American League standing. So Tampa's pretty much, there's six games up on Houston at this point with six games left. And they've all but locked up top spot in the American League. So these games are pointless to them. They might be resting guys, blah, blah, blah. So unless the Rays badly want to spoil the Yankees for some reason, or they want the Jays in the wild card game, I don't fucking know. Like, I can't, don't imagine they're going to care either way. I would I would guess they're going and resting guys, and they're not going balls to the wall in the random pre-playoff series when they've locked everything up. Then, you know, it's a, it's it's not your standard versus the Rays series for the Yankees, mm-hmm. which is a damn shame for the Jays. Unfortunate. Yeah, like the Rays focus there will be on yeah, lining up their rotation, making everybody's rested, making sure everybody's rested. Like they 
really don't have much of a reason to care anymore, which really does suck. That 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 is a big thing for the Jays. Um, still though, the Rays are a good ball team, and I I don't think you can like pencil in a Yankee sweep of the Rays in the final week no. of the season, right? Like I think it's never sort that of, easy. No, um, sitting there and expecting them to take two out of the three is probably fair, which again just means the Jays need to sweep Baltimore and they need to win two out of the three against this and or against the Yankees, and that will create a tie. <laughs> Or, or you'll leap. Yeah, it'll create a tie and you'd have to play a game 163, which would just be absolutely bananas as well. Um, let's get into this next series a little bit deeper. It's brought to you by the Sports Closet. Our newest sponsor, sportscloset.ca, is where you can find them. All the Jays merch you need, all the pro sports merch you need as well. They will ship to you, sportscloset.ca. Uh, the starting pitching matchups, Coombsy, you got those? Yeah, so I, the way that I think it's lining up nothing's 100% confirmed yet but it's going to be Jamison Tyone who's been on the injured list for just about a month now going up against Hyunjin Ryu who's also been on the injured list he missed his uh last start with that shadow neck injury that may or may not actually be a real injury second game is Garrett Cole and Jose Barrios and then the final one on the Thursday is Corey Kluber and Robbie Ray so what this does is it lines up Rios for a potential game 163 if there was a tiebreaker situation and Rays lined up for the wild card game if the Blue Jays get there. Jameson Talion, uh, he's faced the Jays twice this year. Once back on April 13th when he gave up eight hits and five earned over three and two thirds. And then it was actually his last start, September 6th, where he gave up three earned over seven innings and he was actually quite good. So uh, the Jays will be looking to do what they did against Talion in their first game of the season against him. Uh, other than that, like, man, I, I want to sit here and be like, yeah, the Jays, like, you know, the Rays start, Ray versus Kluber, you give him an edge there, but like, they got to beat Garrett Cole and you need a good start from Hunjin Ryu doesn't feel like any of these games are anything close to a sure thing. Like these will be tight, no. tight ball games where like one mistake can absolutely sink you. Yeah. I think the, the first game's a real enigma. It's this is the, this is the, this Tuesday game I think is kind of going to tell us what's up. Um, you know, that the Jays really have to win that first game. You can't yeah. lose the first game and go into a situation where you have to beat Garrett Cole the next day in order to keep the season alive. You, you just can't do it. Like, Benjamin Ryu is coming off the injured list, and, you know, in his in his, in his his previous two starts, it was the September 11th against Baltimore, two and one-third, seven earned runs, and then it was Minnesota, two innings, five earned runs. That was fucking terrible, and that's what landed him on the injured list. The hope is that now he's had, what, like, it's going to be 11 days off when he starts. So the hope is that he's rested and he has his velocity back and he can carve up the Yankees like he did on September the 6th, which is the last time he pitched well. That was during the Jays' four-game sweep of the Yankees, that season-changing series. He went six innings, allowed three hits, no walks, struck out six guys. That's what they need. And on the other side of that, Tyon, like Ryu, was coming off the injured list. And before he was injured, he was also fucking terrible. His, his last start was against the Jays, seven innings, three earned runs. Pretty decent start, but before that, it was you know four and two thirds against the Angels, six earned runs, three and two thirds against the Athletics, five earned runs, five and one third against the Twins, three earned runs. That's okay. Five innings against the White Sox, three earned runs. Blah blah blah. He hasn't had a good dominant start in a long time, and we have no idea what to expect from him coming off the injured list. But we also have no idea what to expect from Ryu. So yeah. if Ryu has a vintage Ryu start and he carves up the Yankees, the Jays are in the mix. If he gets lit up. The season's over. 
the Yankees bats have been red hot as of late as well, which is concerning in their three gamer against the Red Sox. They scored 19 runs in their three gamer against the Rangers. They scored uh, 18 runs as well, and they actually haven't given up more than three runs in any of the six games in their three in the six game winning streak. So um, they're the Yankees just clicking, man. They're firing on all cylinders. I know it's a little cliche, mm-hmm. but like it really is as simple yeah. as that. This is a team that loaded up at the deadline. They're starting to get healthier and they're winning a lot of ball games and winning them rather con- convincingly as well but it's also pretty easy to look at this team and understand they're not a perfect ball club i mean i'm going back to that game against boston they dropped a fly ball that cost them runs right like they were making errors they were kicking around the ball they just found a way to constantly get out of it if you're the jays the biggest thing for this series pitching aside is just going to be hammering the yankees when they make mistakes like you got to understand you're going to get chances with guys in scoring position even against garrett cole with the with the jays offense as good as it can be you're going to get opportunities to hit home runs. They just need to be a lot better than like the two for 14 with runners in scoring position that they were against Minnesota. Like getting clutch hitting is just going to be massive. You're going to get chances. There's six games left in the season. You can't afford one of these slumps. We've seen the Jays go through where for 10 games, they can't hit with guys in scoring position. You need to find a way to be clutch. The other thing to mention is that this is this final six games, uh, is going to feature for the first time this season uh, 30,000 fans of the Rogers yeah. Center. They increased from 15,000, which is what it was before, up to 30. So they're opening up spots in the 500s, which I think is very big because, you know, we've, we've both been to games this year. I've been to five. The five and oh in the games I've been to. So maybe I'll get tickets for that Tuesday game. I'm gonna give them a little yeah. bit of good luck. But it, even with 15,000 people there, it feels like a, a big atmosphere. And there's no doubt that it charges the team up. Like their record at home is very good. Mm-hmm. And increasing that to 30,000 is another huge thing. So we need to hope that that home crowd pump up for the Jays can push them into doing like a 5-1 and one or even a 6-0 and oh here. Mm-hmm. Like, let's be real here. Uh, like looking at the Yankee series, um, I mean, they swept them in New York. They swept them in a four-game series. It's doable. You can you can sweep the Yankees. They're not perfect. Like, Tyone isn't great. Ryu can come back and be amazing. Garrett Cole hasn't been that good recently. It was just last Sunday that he got lit up by Cleveland, and we were all laughing at him for looking at the out-of-town scoreboard. And Brios has been, you know, quite good. And it's Corey Kluber versus Robbie Ray. That's your American League Cy Young winner more than likely. Like, <laughs> the way we're looking at this, like, it's doable. And then it's Baltimore right after that, like, the Jays have been fucking damn near unbeatable to Rogers in it this year. Like they can go six and oh, and that's damn near what it's going to take in order for them to make it. And that's the situation we're in. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything more I can add, man. It's just the pressure's on the 30,000. It should be like playoff like atmosphere in at the Rogers center. I'm just so excited to watch this thing. Like at the beginning of the year, if you would have given us this, if you would have said you're mm-hmm. heading into that series against the Yankees with a chance to catch them in that series, because that's what you'll do if you sweep them. We all would have taken it. That's what we wanted, right? We wanted this team to sort of, you know, they, there weren't necessarily World Series aspirations this year, right? Things broke that way that we started to think, you know, with the way Semyon's playing, the way Ray pitched. But at the beginning of the year, we just really wanted meaningful baseball again. And we are absolutely getting meaningful baseball down the stretch here. So hopefully the Jays can come through. Hopefully when we recap this series, Coomzy, we are sitting here and just going absolutely nuts because they're coming off a massive sweep of the Yankees and they're in a wild card spot. And all they got to do is beat Baltimore a couple of times and they are in. Hopefully we get that realistically. Two out of the three would be fantastic as well. But hopefully that last series against Baltimore means something as well. And we get six really good ball games down the stretch.
Yeah, that's the hope. We want to see, we want all six of these games to matter. That'll be fun. Like there's, there's the potential for this week to be absolutely bananas. And them opening up to 30,000 and having a pretty good crowd out there and the Jays potentially doing something special, like the storybook ending is right here to be written. You know, they didn't have a home game for a year and a half. They come home, uh, go on this magical run late, and now they have uh, above half capacity stadium at the end of the season, six games left, with the chance to pretty much write their own destiny. And it couldn't be, I mean, you couldn't script it better for them to do something fucking incredible. So let's hope that they do it. This has been Blue Jays Nation Radio for the Sports Closet, for Twig and Berries, and for our title sponsor, DoorDash, where they have the promo code BJNPODDD to get you 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order. Coomzy, you enjoy this series, my man. You get out to the dome because you are the good luck charm. We will talk after this. That's right, sir. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 